Hosanna, a fellowship with Christians. Good morning, Hosanna. How's everybody doing today? Are you there? How about if we all stand up? If you're capable, we're going to worship God this morning. Love you, Lord.
universe, love breaks through your darkness. Love breaks through my darkness. Now I can finally see. He paid the price for my freedom. No more change on me. Since the Savior came and He took the blame, He changed everything.
Oh, you may be seated if you'd like to be, or you can stay standing. It's up to you. We're going to stay standing, Steve and I here. Right? And Becky. <laughs> no, wait. She's Becky, stand up. Sharon. I can't see her. She's right behind me, but thank you. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you. 
So I thought I saw Nanette come in, and she shared something on Facebook. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but I actually thought it would be nice if we share it with you. It's a conversation that someone is having with God, and it's a reading by author John Rodell. And Steve and I are going to attempt to do this here. It's three pages, so that makes it a little tricky with this space. But may you be blessed by this. Hey, God. Hello. I'm falling apart. Can you put me back together? I would rather not. Why? Because you aren't a puzzle. What about all the pieces of my life that are falling down onto the ground? Let them stay there for a while. They fell off for a reason. Take some time and decide if you need any of those pieces back. You don't understand. I'm breaking down. No, you don't understand. You are breaking through. What you are feeling are just growing pains. You are shedding the things and the people in your life that are holding you back. You aren't falling apart. You are falling into place. Relax. Take some deep breaths and allow those things you don't need anymore to fall off of you. Quit holding on to the pieces that don't fit you anymore. Let them fall off. Let them go. Once I start doing that, what will be left of me? Only the very best pieces of you. I'm scared of changing. I keep telling you, you aren't changing. You are becoming. Becoming who? Becoming who I created you to be. A person of light and love and charity, and hope, and courage, and joy, and mercy, and grace, and compassion. I made you from more than the shallow pieces you have decided to adorn yourself with that you cling to with such greed and fear. Let those things fall off of you. I love you. Don't change. Become, become, become who I made you to be. I'm going to keep telling you this until you remember it. There goes another piece. Yep, let it be. Um, so, so I'm not broken? Of course not. But you are breaking like the dawn. It's a new day. Become. I'm standing at your door.
Amen, and thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Hosanna. When I come up here to do announcements, I always like to pause and ask if we can give a round of applause to our worship team because they, I know how hard they work. Uh, they don't just pop up here on Sunday mornings and, and help us worship. They work hard throughout the week. So I just want to thank them for that on behalf of all of us. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name's Kelly. Good to see everybody this morning. And those of you online, welcome. Welcome to everybody. It's good to see so many um, bright, smiling faces out here this morning. You know, Siggy, when I was listening to worship, for me, oftentimes, songs are my prayers. You know, sometimes when we can't find words to pray, which I don't know if that happens to you, it happens to me sometimes, but when we can't, for me, music and lyrics to songs are often, if you think about those in terms of prayers and what we're saying to God and praising God and thanking God. So I was just thinking about that this morning, and as I get ready to ask you to join me in prayer for our offering, I'm just going to reflect a little bit on some of the lyrics today because it struck me as I listened that these really can be our prayers to God. So would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, it is so true that your mercy never fails us. All of our days, you hold us in your arms. You help us dance on the waves that we invariably go through in this life. You hold us up. You keep us afloat. And Lord, I just ask that um, you help us keep falling into place as you would want us to be, that we can let go of those things that do not serve us and that we will embrace things that do serve us and that will help us grow into the people that you have destined us to be. We ask, Father God, that your goodness does keep running after us and that, you, um, that we just know that you're always there for us. Thank you for these gifts that we are bringing. And we just thank you, God. That's a simple prayer today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of announcements this morning. Now, the first one, it's a new month, so we have a new focus for our Change for Change, and that is going to Harry and Penka's Resurrection Church in Bulgaria to actually help them with their Christmas gifts. We help them all year round to um, be able to bless others in their community um, and, and just to help them with the good work that they are doing in their work. So if you have some extra change, dollar here, dollar there, drop it in the Change for Change bucket, and we will see that Harry and Penka get that this month. Also next Sunday, if you come hungry to church, stay after church, because it's our uh, family potluck. And it's right after the service, and we just ask that you bring a hot or cold dish to share with everybody. Drinks are provided, and it's just a time, just an informal time together. Kid, oh, those are high schools. I'm sorry. Yes, high school students are dismissed. Children are not quite yet. Um, it's a time for the potluck just to get together and kind of informally be together and catch up with one another. So uh, please join us for that. Also, on Tuesday, February 27th, from 2 to 7, Hosanna is hosting another blood drive. We do that very regularly here. And... Um, in our community and actually in the country and in the world, blood is so desperately needed. So if you are able and willing to be a blood donor, we have a blood drive here on Tuesday, February 27th. You can check the bulletin board in the foyer for more information. And um, then there's web our website has information on it where you can register for a time to donate. At this point, I am going to dismiss the kids. I will meet you in the back. And I'm going to invite Jeff Byerly to come up to share an announcement with you. All right, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? What if I said, how is your soul doing today? How would you respond to that? 
you might go, oh, I don't know. What's that about? We sing that familiar hymn, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul. But maybe you sort of understand what that means when you think about it. But if you were asked to describe it, would you really be able to describe what our souls are, right? Maybe that's because in our society, we've replaced the soul and community with the self. We're taught to be self-sufficient, yet we were not meant to be self-sufficient. A lot of our understanding revolves around the self. When you get stressed out, you are to take care of your right yourself. When you go for an interview, you are to believe in your, yeah, how about that, yourself. When you're not getting your own way, you are to stand up for yourself. Yeah, you're getting the picture. Our souls always exist before God. And so I'll ask again, how is your soul? Even the scriptures indicate that we must be careful not to lose our soul. And this probably means something different than what we may have been taught in the past. It probably means that we could lose our center, sort of like driving a car without a steering wheel. Think about that. We can go as fast as we want, but we might not end up where we want to go. But if we can lose our souls, then what does it mean to keep or tend our souls? Well, we have a great guide for this journey. We're going to be utilizing this book by John Ortberg and a DVD video series called Soul Keeping, Caring for the Most Important Part of You. And John Ortberg will reflect on this important topic through the lens of his friendship with a mentor that many of us have read and, and uh, are find very dear to our heart, and that person is Dallas Willard, who passed away about a decade ago. So my question is, how is your soul? Well, we invite you to consider how to take care of the most important part of you, and we'll be meeting, is it called the Fellowship Hall, right? Over in the Fellowship Hall. I'm still learning my ropes here. So with that, as we attend to God with our souls at this moment, we invite our friends, Tony and Joanne, to come and feed our souls this ah, morning. Thank you. <laughs> Would that <clears throat> involve soul food, Jeff? Oh, boy. <laughs> This class that he's uh, talking about starts today, so 11.15 after the service, and we'll continue uh, through Easter, um, after Easter, so awesome. Yeah, before we get started, I have another announcement. Uh, yesterday, I had the uh, first gathering of a new cohort of um, folks who are being trained as spiritual directors. It is... I gotta say, it's probably my last cohort. I, I say that, but I, I think it's really true this time. Um, God has assembled an incredible group of people from North uh, New Hampshire all the way to South Carolina. We're mostly online in this program, but about every six to eight weeks we meet on ground. So that's what happened yesterday, all day yesterday. It was remarkable. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because several of, in order to participate in and be trained as a spiritual director, you need directees. You need some folks that you can learn with. 
and practice spiritual direction with. <clears throat> so I am coming to say we are in need, this cohort is in need of several folks who would be interested in some free spiritual direction for about a year-ish. Um, it's a monthly meeting for one hour. Um, it's mutually beneficial. If you would, you know, just you hear about spiritual direction here, you wonder what it is, if you would like to try it at no cost, um, you'd benefit these students, you know, in wonderful ways. And I promise you, just meeting them yesterday and seeing who they are, they're going to benefit you. And of course, it's all, what is happening? Oh, that's my mic. I'll, I'll try not to move. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, can't, um, you can't move your hands anymore. Mutually beneficial. <laughs> and God gets the glory and some more trained spiritual directors. Let's see, they'll be finished next May. Um, so if you're interested, just come on up and let me know. I'll put your name on a list or email the church office here at Hosanna, and then they'll forward all the email to me, all right? Because I'm sure there's going to be lots of email to forward. So thank you very much. Thanks for considering. Okay, for the message today, we're going to start with everybody under 40, just close your eyes and ears. You don't know this. <laughs> we're going to start with a little test, <laughs> a little test of your age or pop culture awareness. Anyone tell me who these two people are? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I heard a bunch of... Somebody yell it out. Donnie and Marie Osmond. By the way, do you know, this is so old now, Donnie Osmond is a grandfather with 14 children, grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, it's been a few years. Yes, they had, well, so they were brother or sister, had their own TV show in the 70s, they had older brothers um, who were a singing group. And in this show, every single episode, I know because my mom and dad insist on watching it every single time, <laughs> Marie would sing at some point with a twang, I'm a little bit country. Yeah. And Donnie would respond with, I'm, I'm a, little a little bit, bit rock, rock and roll. roll. They have it reversed there on the, um, on the, on the picture. Uh, no, he wasn't. Right. Donnie Osmond was not <laughs> rock and roll. His big song was Poppy Love. That's not <laughs> rock and roll. Now, if you haven't heard of any of this, don't worry, it's not on the test. <laughs> The question is, why are we talking about Donnie Marie Osmond? <laughs> because most people think that God is like those, that, like them, like Donnie and Marie. What do you mean, Tony? Is God maybe a little bit near and a little bit far away? Is God a little bit in time with us and a little bit outside of time? Is God a, bit, a little bit knowable and a little bit unknowable? Is God a little bit changeless and a little bit changeable? Is God a little bit just and a little bit merciful? We got all these images in our head of God, and they're kind of dualistic, and, and most people think it's probably a little bit of each, and we haven't really ever reconciled that. So today we want to look at that, particularly that last one. Is God just or is God merciful? Because whether God is just or merciful is one of the biggest questions that people have about God. It's one of the biggest things that Christians fight about. So, I said that um, Donnie Marie wouldn't be on the, on the test. This will be. What's the answer? 
Well, the good news is it's a multiple choice test. So let me give you some, op some options here. Let's start with the scenario. Most people see justice and mercy sitting like kids on opposite sides of a seesaw. Now, let's imagine that God comes to that seesaw and wants to sit down. You know what happens if you have one big kid on one end and a small kid on the other end. <laughs> the big kid controls the seesaw. The small kid can't move up or down unless the big kid chooses. I was the big brother to two little sisters. I, this, this, this gave me such a feeling of power and control. <laughs> so, God is the biggest kid in the universe. So here we are, seesaw, justice over here, mercy over here. Which side does God sit down on? Well, here are the options then. Option A, multiple choice. Some people believe God sits on the justice side. In this, or mostly on the justice side. In this view, God is concerned to making sure that everything's fair, that people are playing by the rules, penalties and punishments are levied upon those who don't, to force them back into line because that's what makes for a good, ordered, well-constructed world. The problem, of course, is that an overemphasis on justice usually results in an image. What kind of God do we end up with then? an angry, judgmental, legalistic, rule-making God, a big kid, a bully, who ruins the fun for everybody in the playground. So maybe that's not, maybe that's it, or maybe it isn't. Some other people, I think we have an image of that, didn't we? Okay, did we, do, did we do stern, judgmental God? Okay, we did. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Some other people believe that God sits on the other side, the mercy side of the seesaw. And in this view, God is concerned about being kind and forgiving and compassionate and understanding. God lets people off the hook all the time. Rules don't matter. The problem, of course, with this view is that an overemphasis on mercy can result in, this was a phrase that Joanne introduced to me on Friday. I didn't know this one before. Sloppy agape. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's lots of love, but there's no justice. Mm -hmm. And a world without justice is not too good either. So, and then there's a third option. Some people believe that God doesn't sit on either side of the seesaw, but in the middle. Now, you were all kids once. Did you ever try sitting or even standing mm -hmm. in the middle of a seesaw while two people are seesawing at the other, or even if they're not? Mm -hmm. I've done that. I have the scars. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do that. You fall off. In this view, then, God is, well, unpredictable. Sometimes stern and harsh, sometimes kind and forgiving, but you're never really sure. He loves me, he loves me not. God has a split personality. God is wishy-washy in this view. So there's options A, B, and C in our multiple choice test. But I'm, the way I'm describing them, at least, none of them seems to work very well, do they? The question is whether there are only options. These are the options that many Christians and people mm -hmm. outside of our faith buy into. And the answer to that question is no, they are not our only options. What if the image of the seesaw is all wrong? What if it's not a seesaw at all? Mm -hmm. What if justice and mercy are not opposites? Mm -hmm. What if instead God says yes to justice, and to mercy, and brings them together to become one thing. 
And here's the good news. That's what the Bible actually says. Bunches of places, but here's a couple that are fairly explicit. This is Psalm 85.10. has a couple words that are hard from he- to translate into Hebrew into English, so here's one version of it. Loving mercy and reliable truth have met each other. Good justice and healing peace have kissed each other. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. We made that one up. We didn't make that up. The scripture's there. We tra- did the translation. One translation expands on that. This is beautiful. God will be faithful to us, and he will love us with his faithful love. His justice and peace will join together like dear friends. No matter how we translate the individual words, the image is that God is bringing these things together and making them one, rather than leaving them at opposite ends of an artificial spectrum. Here's another passage. We can go to the prophet Micah. We asked the same question that we're asking this morning. What does the Lord require of us? Is it justice or mercy? How are we supposed to act in the world? We're to be like God is, right? Well, what is God? And here's the answer that Micah heard, the answer that Micah offers to us. The answer is to act justly mm-hmm. and to love mercy, both, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, like many things about God, this feels like, perhaps, feels like a bit of a paradox to us. You know what a paradox is, don't you? It's when we encounter two or more things that seem that they can't be true at the same time, but actually are. Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco Giants, in the same Super Bowl. It just should not be true. It's a paradox, but no. The reason we have trouble imagining some of the mystery of God is because of our own limited human understanding and and the resulting limits of our language. We don't have the words sometimes for this. We don't have the mental capacity to hold two things together at the same time in the way that God does, in the way that God inhabits those things and lives out those things. So we don't have a really good word in English that encapsulates both justice and mercy together. The Hebrews, by the way, did. The word shalom was much richer and deeper than what we translate right. into English as peace. But we don't have that in English. And since we don't have a good word for it, we have trouble imagining God or even our, ourselves like that. We find mm-hmm. it easier to pit them against one another and then to seesaw back and forth. Mm-hmm. Be a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. So since we don't have a word for it, let's tell a story instead. We actually see this coming together, justice and mercy, in Jesus. Lots of times, but there's one story especially, marvelous story of this woman who was one day thrown at Jesus' feet. And what he did with her that day was remarkable. This is John chapter 8. The experts in the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught committing adultery. They made her stand in front of them and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman is caught in the very act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone to death such women. Yay! What then do you say? And then John, writing in this, his gospel, puts in parentheses. Now, they were asking this in an attempt to trap him so that they could bring charges against him. Huh? What's going on there? Well, they wouldn't ask him this unless he had already established a reputation for being more merciful than they were. 
They were pretty legalistic. They saw Jesus as being at the other end of the spectrum, so they were trying to the other end of the seesaw. They were trying to use his mercy as a trap to pit him against the justice of Moses and make Jesus take sides. Which mm-hmm. end of the seesaw are you going to choose? You're going to be a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll today, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be just or are you going to be merciful? Jesus opted for none of the above mm-hmm. on this multiple choice test. Mm-hmm. Instead, Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. I love this. Mm-hmm. And when they persisted in asking him, Jesus, hey, we're over here. We're talking to you. Which one are you going to choose? He stood up straight and replied, whoever among you is guiltless may be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote on the ground some more. (laughs) What was he writing? You ever wonder about that? Centuries of people have wondered about that. Yes. Yes. I think it was the scores for today's game. No, it was the... (laughs) Some people think it was the sins of, his, of the accusers. I, that'd be hilarious, actually. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's simply reminding them of where they had come from, the dust of the ground, from which a God of both justice and mercy had fashioned them. They were dirt, which should cause them to walk humbly with their God. Mm-hmm. But they were also the image and likeness of God, God's masterpiece, God's artwork. All of them, including the woman that they had dragged there in front of themselves, wanting to end her life with rocks. See, this is paradox. Both true, Mm -hmm. dust, image and likeness of God, and both to be remembered. So Jesus reminds them. And yes, they remember. And here's a shout out to the old folks in the room. Now, when they heard this, they began to drift away one at a time, starting with the older ones, who apparently had a little more self-awareness at this moment. And so Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up straight and said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she replied, No, not one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Yeah, if you weren't here last week, um, we introduced a, a new component to our, to our preaching this year. That's part of our yes and. Yes, we'll continue to do our preaching and teaching, and we're going to add this other component. Um, and that component is you. It's you. In a moment, we're going to participate. I, okay, this is the last week I'm going to be using this microphone. That's okay. It, you can't know <laughs> until it, it starts making noise. Um, so in a moment, we're going to you know, invite you to participate in um, a shared conversation about today's topic, which is justice and mercy. In order to prepare, what we want to do is not come to this kind of conversation only with our heads. That's what's happening out there in all of these kinds of, and in within the church, um, in all of these conversations that are so polarized, and this person, and this person, and it's seesaw, and nothing in between, because everyone's talking out of their heads. We need our minds, and we need to understand 
but <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. He's already on. He's already in the. <laughs> I'll just turn this off. Tonight. Thank you, Jeff. Don't take responsibility when it's not your fault. Um, it's our world. Okay, so where was I? The guy did uh, this because somebody was going to fall asleep out there. And so <laughs> this was... No, I don't think so. Okay, so the topic, justice, mercy, and the story that is given to us in the scripture. This woman caught in adultery brought to Jesus. So in order to prepare, what we want to do is, yes, we want to join our head knowing with um, our heart and with our spirit knowing. So if you want, just for a few moments, just kind of close your eyes. You know, be still, God says, be still and know that I am God. And that knowing is the deep knowing. Just let yourself become aware of God's presence with you, in you, here among us. And as you listen, I'm going to reread the passage. As you listen, notice words, images, um, emotions, even sounds or movements in the story, in the scripture, that are drawing your attention. The experts in the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught committing adultery. They made her stand in front of them and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone to death such women. What do you say then? Now, they were asking this in an attempt to trap him so that they could bring charges against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in asking him, he stood up straight and replied, whoever among you is guiltless may be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent over and wrote on the ground. Now when they heard this, they began to drift away one at a time, starting with the older ones, until Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up straight and said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She replied, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Now, let's just pause for some reflection. Kind of stay with this. What are you noticing? You know, what's the Holy Spirit inviting you to know about this story for your own life? For, you know, what you're noticing, what's in that? for you, for your life.
Now just continue to kind of hold that, stay with that. And consider some questions that the passage is asking. To whom might you be the woman? In other words, is there anyone or anyone's with whom you experience harsh judgment, whom you fear? Is there anyone who causes you to feel shame, to feel helpless? To whom are you the woman? What does Jesus want you to know about that? And now hold all that and consider to whom might you be the Pharisees or a Pharisee? Is there anyone or anyone's toward whom you experience harsh judgment, toward whom you feel anger, hatred, or maybe just actually cold indifference, callousness. Are there any rocks in your hands? What does Jesus want you to know? And now, holding all that, how, how are you invited, you know, like Jesus was? How are you being invited to stand in the paradoxical, paradoxical place between? How are you being invited to stand in the place where love and mercy, where justice and peace, shalom, meet? Embrace, where, where they kiss. What's that invitation for you? How is God inviting you to be like Christ?
and you can stay with this inside yourself as we open up to a group conversation. So let's talk about this passage together, right? What, let's talk about what are you sensing that, that God wants you to learn from this or how he wants you to grow? What are your invitations or us, us together? Um, what would it actually mean to do actually do what God is inviting you to do personally. Um, everything's open. Whatever you noticed in the passage, we read it twice today, once for our heads and then for our soul, like Jeff Barley was saying. Mics are available. So there's one up here, and we've got someone, right, who's going to bring you a mic if you'd rather not stand up to talk. Just ask that, because of the nature of this topic, um, would you just please be sensitive as you speak? If you talk about personal experiences, please don't mention names. And, and that doesn't mean, oh, my husband, because it's not a name, or my wife, or uh, just say there's someone I know, you know, something general like that, if you want to talk about that kind of a situation. All right. There's someone I know wearing a hat in the back row who wants to speak. The hat man. <laughs> uh, just, I'm just noticing to just be aware of other people before I react to throw that stone. You know, just to remember as as. As I am changing, others are changing as well. And just to be more aware of my surroundings. Instead of, because, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty quick person to react to things. So I think, you know, God is really just telling me in his passions to, to slow down, slow my brain a little bit, and take some time to look at the entire situation. Because you might not know that person's situation at the time. But that, that's what I'm seeing anyway. Yeah, it's a great place to start. A couple things. You're right. We don't know. Was she caught in adultery with, maybe it was another Pharisee. I mean, where's the man? Tony pointed out when we were prepping that, the, and we look, we check because we check, try to check everything. The law doesn't say a woman only. Where's the man? So right there, you could just tell. If, and I hear you saying, oh, I'm, I'm sensing an invitation to be more like Jesus, not to be reactive, but responsive. He's a great example in this story of being responsive. And what it requires is, hey, take a deep breath. He's feeling his own stuff. He's human, too. I don't think he was liking what was going on. <laughs> but he stopped. And that pause that people for centuries have been wondering about, um, it was a time whatever he was doing, which obviously we don't need to know. Rather than speculating on what Jesus was writing on the ground, maybe it's an invitation to say, why don't you just stop for a moment and consider? And yes, so that's a great place to start. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, there's someone back there. There's someone up here. If I can just go. Uh, what? Me. Hi. Hi. Um, as an accused person, 
uh, I've noticed that the end of the story is her and Jesus alone. And the story could have just been that. Yeah. It, it, um, without all the drama created by the crowd. And mm -hmm. she could have just ended up there anyway without the stress of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too, Becky, when I was reading the passage again. What, what connected to me was, oh, wait a minute. We just talked about that last week on the Mount of Transfiguration. What was happening on that mountaintop, and then the cloud, and then the light, and then all that was there, was, all they could see was Jesus. And the same thing, all, they all left, and all that was left was this encounter between him and her. But yeah, but something about the love that protects and covers, the very fact that those Pharisees took her out, we don't even know, half naked, we don't know. She was not even a person. She was something, a commodity to be used to win an argument, to, to trap this other leader that they hated. Where is the humanity? Where is the likeness and image of God in that, you know? So maybe, maybe yeah. every time we are tempted to stone somebody metaphorically, we are dehumanizing them. Are you going to say it? You didn't hear me? No, your mic's not on. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe what's happening then is that every time we're tempted to, de to throw a stone at someone, metaphorically or otherwise, we are actually dehumanizing them. That's what they're doing. That's the word. And don't we hear that? Church and culture. It's kind of something we do in order to make it okay to justify injustice. To treat someone in a way that is against everything. That as Christians, as everything that Jesus models for us. We justify our injustice and dehumanize each other. Because if, well, we're just animals... We're not human. Yeah. Right here. Over here. Over here. Where? Over here. Over Wave. Here. Over here. Okay. Over here. Over here. And then over here. <laughs> so I can be the Pharisee, particularly in a relationship with someone who, with whom I am very, very close, and I can't say who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be the arbiter. It's okay if she says it's okay for you to identify her. She's waving over there. <laughs> I can be the arbiter of the law. Mm. And I can be not merciful at times. Mm. And I also saw that, you know, the, the Pharisees weren't concerned about the woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was as, you, as you've already said, she was just an object to be used. Yeah. That's all it was. Absolutely. Yeah. And to get uh, them what they wanted. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh. And I want to be more merciful and recognize. So what will that look like, Rick? Not, mean, being, the arbiter, not being the arbiter of the law. <laughs> uh -huh. And deciding what it is, yeah. Mm -hmm. And being more since, since Since you were identified, do you want to respond to that at all? <laughs> well, he, he, is, he is better at that. Mm -hmm. um, 
Because yeah. what I was thinking, what I saw was most of my life, I've been invalidated because of circumstances yeah. and life experiences. It's like I'm a nothing. Took me a long time to get on the other side of that. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus is the one who validated me just like he validated her. She mattered to him more than what she had done. Right. The Pharisees could have cared less. Right. Right. And I do want to say, where's the man? Right. Right. Rick, just one more thing. Since you're one of the older ones among us and you're... Oh, really? But, I, I, I hadn't noticed. But it's, it's that part of the story where the, young, the older ones are able to see maybe a little bit more clearly because of life experience. Because, and so you're actually modeling for us the clarity that can come. But also the ones who dropped the stones first were acting kind of contrary to their group. That was brave. If we can, you know what I mean? You have to be able to look on both sides. It was brave of the first ones to drop the stones because they were saying, I'm not going to do this to the others, to the younger ones, to the others in the group. It's brave on both sides, right? Because, you know, the other ones still had stones. They might have put the younger one, or yeah, the older ones over to stand with her. Who knows? But yeah, thank you. Yeah. I had a story related to me yesterday. We were on a plane, and uh, this pregnant woman with two children was crying. She was boarding the plane coming up the ramp, and apparently she had gotten separated from her husband whose passport she had, and we were talking about a lot of the uh, babies and toddlers on the plane uh, crying and screaming, and we had gotten delayed in the airport several hours, and so these kids were getting past their time of being able to survive without whatever. As the story was related to me, I became very brain-oriented and said, well, why did she have her husband's passport? You should always have your own passport. You know, that's just, you don't do that. And while I was saying that, at the same time, this voice inside said, well, you don't really know what took place, the circumstances, and you're judging on partial information, only information that I knew. And I didn't admit it while we were discussing this, but I felt guilty, I felt embarrassed and ashamed of myself. And I know I need to be humble. God has that quality of humbleness. He has power, but he exercises it with a humbleness and doesn't lord it over us. And I need to understand and exercise that same degree of humbleness. Uh, and as Rick said, 
I often use my head as opposed to my heart in my relationship with my very close Mary. And I need to take stock of that and change that too. Thanks, Chris. Wow, yeah. The humility and thank you for sharing that. You didn't have to say that out loud. Uh, there, well, let, there's a lot in here. Let, let's, yeah. <clears throat> 40 years ago, when I surrendered my will and my life to God, the first 30 years of my life, the only Pharisee in my life was me. I didn't care what other people thought, but I would condemn myself every time I made a bad choice. Or I would go have fun or whatever. And as I drew closer to God, I learned, I'm going to plug the class, self-love, self-love. Because God, when I was on my knees, showed up and said, I don't condemn you, I love you. And also, I'm going to give a plug for spiritual direction. <laughs> spiritual direction completed where therapy left off. And 20 years later, I'm not the same person that I was 40 years ago. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, I think you're all highlighting that reality that we like to project things out. You know, a lot of the, what happens in groups or even in our culture, a lot of it is a projection of what's going on inside of us because there's tension in here, but we project it out. And it seems like we have our inner Pharisee and we have our inner adulterous woman and they do, they seesaw back and forth. And what is it that allows the paradox to be resolved, allows you know, it to come together in a brand new way? The, some of the options that Tony was talking about earlier. It, love. How do we learn to love beginning here with ourselves and then learn to love our neighbor and even our enemies like Jesus does? It's hard work. It's hard work to, w work to wake up. It is hard work to become aware of how legalistic we can be, of how harsh and condemning we can be to others, or self-righteous, to use the self word. But it's on the other side, for that woman caught in adultery, and we all have that, that we condemn ourselves, and we shame ourselves, and we refuse. Not that she was refusing, we don't know her situation. Maybe she was a widow, because in that culture, we've talked about that before. If there isn't a son or a man in your life to take care of you and you're on your own, I mean, you've got to live, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't justify sin, but it does kind of reframe things, doesn't it? And so just putting that out there is... Is, is there an invitation for you today from the Holy Spirit to stop shaming yourself? Or to stop condemning yourself. Or to stop projecting that out onto others and trying to fix them somehow. Break the illusion. It's like the log and the speck that Jesus was talking about, right? 
pull the projection back and deal with it in here. Because when, that, when the overwhelming, unconditional love of the God who created you, regardless of what you do, becomes real, everything changes. Your vision shifts. Heart opens. Do we still need our minds? Yeah, we need a bunch of reason right now, don't we? And God says, come reason together. Let's reason together. But it's like, in the, we talked about the Orthodox tradition, the Eastern Orthodox, in that way of praying. We descend with our minds into our hearts and stand before God there. And it's that bringing together of what seeming opposites. And there's always another way. What else? Yeah. Wait. They, I know, I know, but we love our folks online. Hello. So we want them to hear you. <laughs> okay. Um, one other thing I was seeing was... Um, you couldn't condemn the Pharisees without condemning the woman, but you couldn't condemn the woman without condemning the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. There was sin going on. There was wrong attitudes mm -hmm. on both sides. Yeah. Not one, the adultery wasn't any worse than the self-righteousness. Yeah. And we tend to make sin, the things that we think, or really bad sin, mm -hmm. worse than somebody else's sin. And that's how we justify. I know that's yep. how I would do it, mm -hmm. have done it. <laughs> and that's another thing I see with Jesus. He never does that. He never, he never points the finger at, well, yours is worse than hers, or hers is worse than yours yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what we tend to get caught up in. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. We were wondering, we had looked up the words. We were wondering, you know, whether anyone would notice that. They're, Jesus tells both of them to stop sinning. It's interesting, the word for sin is the same, but the, 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 the words are different. And I got to remember which one is which. The, the woman is, Jesus is saying, go and sin no more. And the idea is stop doing this. These are the sins. Sins are the outward actions. But the thing is, by the time sin gets into your actions, it's already, I mean, it's, it's out there to be seen. So it's like fruit on a tree. You just go pick the fruit off the tree. Jesus is saying something about, also about her state of being, the way that she's coming. He's saying, Don't, stop doing these things. They're sinful. The Pharisees, it's the idea of Yes, there's fruit there, but let's trace the fruit back to the root. You are kind of living in sin. Does that make sense? It's, a, it's an orientation. It's a way of, of being that you're... Yeah. Do you, can you define those better than me? Or was that... Yeah, the it's first, like sins, plural, and sin, sin singular. Yeah, the, the, <clears throat> the one about the Pharisees refer more to character. The yeah. one about the woman yeah, is the inner. more to more to actions. Yeah, yeah. There's another interesting word thing here. Maybe this is the time to throw this in. They brought this woman to accuse her before Jesus, but then John's parenthetical comment reveals that they're bringing her to accuse Jesus yes. before the crowd. So there are two accused who are standing there, yeah. and Jesus stands in solidarity with her. 
at that moment. Like I think he stands in solidarity with every single one of us when we are accused, rightly or wrongly. Yep. He was doing justice. He was standing with the one who was being treated unjustly. We, but even it, if, it, even if, well, ahead. but in one sense, it was just. She was, mm-hmm. she had done something wrong. Right. And to me, that's even the better news. So it's not like, okay, I'm, right. I'm innocent here, and Jesus is standing with me. It's no, sometimes I'm guilty here, and Jesus is still standing. With right. Me. I meant because they were using her to get to him. Yeah. 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 yeah they probably wouldn't have even cared. She could have kept doing whatever she was doing, maybe, if it, Jesus wasn't involved. But what it does is it, it kind of, it, it continues to invite it back to, we think about justice, like there's lots of stuff going on in our legal system right now, aren't, isn't there? That is a form of justice, absolutely. It's a system of justice. But systems are made up of individual people. And how do we do justice? How do we walk humbly with our God? moment by moment in our daily lives. And I think this is an example. This woman is just plucked out. She is doing something wrong. But she's plucked out of a situation and she's publicly humiliated. And Jesus is making a choice not to remain impartial. He's standing with her. He's standing against them in love. That's the part that's hard for us. Because he loves them. He loves the Pharisees too. He's always pleading with them. Of, Look, you keep the letter. What, what does he say? The, the, he tells us to be, you know, the right, your righteousness should exceed, exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Not, he's not telling us to be legalism. He's saying go be, even beyond that to the heart of the matter of what this is. He pleads with them again and again to try to get them to wake up to see. They're not who they think they are. But he loves them. He wants them to see. He wants them to come together. It's very quiet. I, this is interesting. These, this is only the second time we're doing this, right? And so last week there was a lot of like a lot of energy that was more outward. I sense the depth that you're holding this. You're all you're holding this. And it's a bit more weighty, isn't it? There is a weight to it. And there's a weight to glory too, like C.S. Lewis says. A few more. Maybe some who okay, back there and then over here. And I, we want to always give introverts a chance. So if you want to say something and you don't usually talk, we've got two people, and then it's your chance. I think we got three now. But I, I wasn't going to say anything today, but... Uh, yeah. No, go for it. Um, you know, right now, I think there's a lot of justice, mercy, talk, and cultural mm-hmm. wars happening in our country. And that's only going to intensify as we have a presidential election this year. Mm-hmm. Um, on one side, they may say, I'm, I, you know, I'm really looking for justice. Another says, well, we have to exercise mercy. How do we bring the two together? Because it's easy mm-hmm. to gravitate to one side or the other. Right. So how can we be instruments of peace that bring discussion to a civil place where we can really grow and learn and, and, and have a healthy and productive 
-hmm. society and, mm -hmm. uh, and be able to stand there with those who disagree with us and say, neither do I condemn thee. Yeah, well, and Sean started us off with that, right? Let's take a pause. Let's become responsive. I was going to ask you, don't run away with the mic yet. I was going to ask you, since you brought that up, what about your own life? You mean as far as? Yeah, about doing that dance. Well, I, uh, that is a challenge for me. That's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, because it, <laughs> be, because it is easy to be judgmental. Uh -huh. And it's easy to, you know, my, my family tells me I get off of Twitter, but uh, <laughs> uh, because of the discussions that have yeah. taken place there, it's yeah. easy to be harsh and not exercise, you know, to walk humbly and, and to uh, emphasize justice and, mm -hmm. and to display mercy. So how are you being invited? How are you going to... How, how am I going to do it? The first step it? is that I need to be conscious that I need to be somebody that comes to a place of bringing people together as opposed to being an instrument of, of pushing people apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I'll do it. I don't know. And either. I'm not sure I'll be successful, by the way. Well, I know that God smiles just yeah. because you want to. Yeah. 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 Okay, you can take the mic now. <laughs> So, so what okay, I'm noticing... Okay, here and here. Oh, it's a quiet person, I think. Oh, oh, you're not quiet. Oh, okay. <laughs> we we got to have at least one. Oh, you're waiting until the end. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm noticing in the story is Jesus doesn't throw out the law, mm -hmm. but he calls on a higher law, a law of love. Mm -hmm. It's fulfilled in love, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go for the one on a stand so I can hold my notes at the same time. Um, so I am an older sister slash mother hen to about 80 uh, 13-year-olds this year. Um, this is my fourth year as a seventh grade teacher. And hearing about this conversation between justice and mercy made me think a lot about my classroom management style, which they question you about all the time. <laughs> I'm sure uh, these two up here are familiar with that. Um, and trying to think of the way the classroom management styles used to be, the rulers in my classroom are only for measuring, so kind of switching from that uh, understanding to making sure the students aren't running my room. And I was thinking a lot of this and... Uh, kind of thinking about how it's a lot easier to build that relationship in that community when it is, like Becky was saying, that relationship of just having Jesus and the woman. Um, but education, you can't just have you and your students. You have a lot of outside uh, pieces and stakeholders uh, going on. So thinking about how it's not possible to not have the Pharisees in that story um, and trying to balance that space for my students to have a childhood and a goof around, but also understanding that they're walking in with Whatever is happening in their household, whatever is happening with their grandparents, um, I've been in a few of Jean Clark's uh, classes. So yes. thinking about all of that ancestral impact that they have and what's going on, and I think the word that I, the phrase that I'm kind of coming up with after hearing everyone's conversation is having an empathetic accountability. Yes, so. that's good. Empathetic accountability. Wow. That's good. Thank you so much. 
Anyone else? May, may I add one more comment? Absolutely. You got the mic. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> How about that? Um, and, and, and mine's kind of a visual thing, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually going to hop up here. Interpretive so dance? Well, kind of. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> well, uh, for, for me, reading this passage, I'm not focusing on the Pharisees mm -hmm. or the woman. Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on Jesus. Right. Yeah. And I wish I knew his body language during this conversation. As, like, it, it, it says, um, you know, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone to death such women. What then do you say? And Jesus bent down and wrote on the ground with his finger. <laughs> so, like, was he, like, bending down? And, come on. Take a look. Uh-huh. Right there. There's your answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, mm -hmm. or they're like, okay, Jesus, what do you think? And Jesus is just like taking a stick, doodling on the ground. <laughs> and, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say something? <laughs> does, he, does he turn his back to them? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Like, right. forget you. Turn his back Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I want to know. I, yeah. I want to know how Jesus is presenting himself to them because I, I, I get the feeling <laughs> that, that Jesus is doing a lot of eye rolling roll. yes. throughout this entire too. conversation. Like, guys, I don't want to deal with you right now. Yeah. And they insist. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, fine. You want to be this way? You want to do this? Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe that I get. Yeah. But. Love, love it. Love the perspective. I, I don't know that Jesus was saying talk to the hand, <laughs> but maybe, you know, talk to but, but, God. But, and stop and stop yeah. and stop because mm -hmm. now you're noticing that. What yes. is, you know, you've been in spiritual direction. What I want to invite you to do is just say, all right, so imagine Jesus and see him and let him turn to you and tell him, you know, you can ask him or he can tell you what was in his heart. But ultimately, what's he saying to you? Because you noticed that for a reason. I, I, I do. Um, Any invitations there for you? Body language? I, I really think that it's, yeah, he would turn to me and say something similar along the lines of, all right, really, what do you think? Like, you're not going to trap me into something here. You need to talk to God yourself and figure this out. And, okay, sure, you want to condemn the woman? You don't want to condemn the woman? It doesn't matter. But... How are you going to react? How are you going to treat the person? Yeah. And, and that's, that's where he is with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True, because there is the reality that we, once we do all of that work of, you know, separating out all of the Pharisee and all of that in us, you still come to a place where if you believe something's wrong, and it is, or it's not, or whatever, we get to have our, our considered standpoints, viewpoints, perspectives, yeah. like empathetic. Oh, Absolutely. We get to have that. 
It's the freedom not to be leaking it all over everybody else, right? It's yes. the freedom to have that, be able to disagree in love and continue to love. Yeah. It's a hard work. Continue it's to love. Continue to love. Yes. It's hard. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. One more. You'll be, what time is it? It's, oh. it's time. <clears throat> okay. Uh, if you can go this long in, because we're going to close here, yes. <clears throat> do you want the mic brought to you, or do you want to come up? Okay. <laughs> um, what, I, what I think, just what I think. Oh, I'm supposed to be thinking with my heart. Sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I was wondering if Jesus bending down, to piggyback on what Jeff was saying, if Jesus was bending down and whatever he was doing, um, if he was giving the Pharisees time to calm down a little bit mm. and listen. Wow. You know, because I believe there was probably a lot of chatter going on and, you know, trying to find their stones and all of this. Uh, and also maybe for the woman to calm down, you know, and listen because if we're chattering and our mind's just going, we, we don't hear God. And maybe he wanted to be heard, so this is what he did. A pause. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Tony. Yeah, I'm hearing some imitations in here from what you guys have said. When I'm a Pharisee, there is an imitation to slow down and calm down before I react and start throwing stones. Every time we're tempted to throw a stone at someone, we dehumanize them. There's an invitation to give up the role of being the arbiter of the law. And those of us who are older can maybe model this kind of clarity and courage to the younger ones. It's an invitation to see that we're all sinners. And that's why we have this tendency to make one sin worse than the others in order to justify our ongoing condemnation of them and not us. It's an invitation to be instruments of peace in a divided world and perhaps even get off of Twitter. Uh, it's an invitation to remember that I don't know the truth about, all the truth about anyone, and therefore to bring my heart into the scenario along with my head and to have empathetic accountability. It's an invitation to quit condemning myself, to quit being my own Pharisee and embrace instead self-love. Those are all invitations if I am playing the role of the Pharisee. If, when I am the woman in this story, there is an invitation to envision the end of the story, when it's just Jesus and me alone. And maybe sometimes our stories could end up there without all the drama if we let it. It's an invitation to see that Jesus stands in solidarity with me and with everyone, whether we're accused rightly or wrongly. He doesn't toss out the law. He appeals to a higher law, which is love. And finally, an invitation to see that we matter to Jesus as a person, not just as a sinner or a saint. What does Jesus' body language say to us about that? Maybe the cross answers that question. Mm -hmm. Yes. Would you stand, please? And let's pray together a closing prayer, and we'll have a blessing. <clears throat> Triune God, and you can join in. You are just. You are just. You, you are, are kind. kind. You, you are, are holy. holy. 
and and still still you you want want to walk walk with me. How amazing it is that that when I am lost or questioning or wondering, when I am unsure of the next step, when I cannot find my way, when voices are many and loud, you invite me to slow down, to seek the good, and center myself on your your holy invitation. Do justice, you tell me, today. Love kindness, you advise, right now. Walk humbly with me, you invite, and I will show you the way. My will for your life is not hard to find. Do justice, love kindness, walk with me. Lord, turn turn my heart heart toward justice. justice. Show me how to love kindness. Empower to me walk with you in humility now and forever. Amen. Amen. And blessings go now to embrace the paradoxes of God's kingdom. Love and truth. Justice and peace. Go now with God's blessing to embody those realities through the power of our challenging, faithful, loving God. Amen? Yes. Amen. In Christ's name. Yes, and. Thank you.